say so. Do I got any witnesses in the building uh, that can testify uh, that my worst day living for God uh, is still better uh, than the best day I ever had in the world? I'm living my best life. Woo! Clap your hands if you believe it this morning. Do I got any blessed people in the house right now? Woo! High five somebody on the way to your seat. Tell them I'm living my best life now. Woo! Tell somebody else the blessed life is the best life. I said the blessed life, I take blessing over riches all day long. I'll take blessing over fame all day long. Woo! Anybody grateful to be in the house of the Lord on Sunday morning? You can be seated for just a few moments. Let me take a brief opportunity to again this morning say what a privilege and an honor it is to have all of our guests here in the house of the Lord today. Rock Church, would you help me lend me your hands and your voice for a few moments? Would you help me give a great big applause for all of our guests? Help me make some noise this morning. We are so delighted to have you in the house of the Lord. We've got people visiting here from all over the country today. Uh, people all the way from Washington in the house. People all the way from Texas in the house of the Lord today. Amen. And uh, we want to say welcome to all of those who are streaming online this morning. Would you help me give a great big welcome to our online audience today? Amen. If this is your first time here at the Rock Church of Fort Myers, you should have received a VIP invitation card. This is an invitation for you to join us immediately following the service in the VIP room. We have a small gift and some light refreshments we'd like to give you. This is just a, a way for us to show you a small token of appreciation for what an honor it is on our behalf to have you in the house of the Lord with us this morning. Amen, somebody. Amen. So we want you to join us for that. It would be our privilege and delight uh, for you to make your way back to the V. Now, that is after you have picked up uh, your barbecue chicken piled up sandwich. Woo! Now, I want to give strict orders to the team not to sell a single sandwich until service is dismissed. <laughs> you see, some of us have gotten in the horrible habit of leaving the sanctuary before the move of God is finished at the altar call. Oh, it's going to get quiet. No, the evangelist didn't hear this morning. I'm sorry, y'all. You got your pastor in the house of the Lord. I'm going to say it one more time for the hearing impaired. Some of us have gotten in a bad habit of leaving the sanctuary before the move of God is finished in the altar call. 
I came to tell some of us it's time to not be baby Christians anymore. It's time to walk in the meat of living for God. Come on. When we're here in the house of God and the Holy Ghost is moving in the altar call, we don't just get up and go to the parking lot and leave to the lobby and go find. Come on, I need some witnesses in the building. When we're in the middle of an altar call, when the altar call is given, that's when it's time to meet God in the middle of his glory moving on behalf of I wish I had a church in the building that would give me an amen in the house Woo! hallelujah when you're praying in the Holy Ghost and you're letting the Holy Ghost dictate your life you want to get closer to the altar it's only the carnal flesh that doesn't like to die on an altar that flees from the altar call. Ooh, I'm already, this, this, this sermon's for free this morning. This don't even count. We're not, not even gonna upload it with a title on YouTube this morning. Amen. How many of you want to be a part of everything God is doing in the house? Amen. When the altar call is given, we ought to be so hungry for what God wants number one that we respond tell your neighbor I've got to respond come on tell your other neighbor the one not paying attention tell him I've got to respond and then once you've responded and you're praying then it's our obligation to find somebody else to pray with I wish I had the right church in the building this morning uh, Lord forgive us for showing up to the house of God only to find out what's in it for me Come on, I wish I had a witness in the building. Lord, deliver me uh, from what's in it for me. I didn't just come to receive. I didn't come to just sit at the table and eat and be fed and then get up from the table and run. No, 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 no. I came to the table so God could feed me and then I could serve in the kingdom of God. Some of us have gotten in a bad habit of getting up from the table when the word is finished, belching, and then leaving the house of God. When Jesus, oh, I guess I'm already in sermon number one. I didn't even take a text. When Jesus finished at the last supper with the disciples and they were done, he demonstrated what came next. He said, don't get up from the table and leave because now is an important moment. He girded himself with a towel of a servant uh, and he got on his hands and knees uh, and said, now it's time to serve uh, one another. Come on, somebody. Uh, this church is committed to what God's doing in this house. Come on, I said, this, this church is committed uh, to what God is doing in the altars of this place. Woo! If, you, if you've been living for God any amount of time and you are not a baby Christian, you should, I'm just going to say it very plain, you should not be getting up and leaving when altar call happens or in the middle of altar call. Hallelujah. Amen. Tell your neighbor that's sermon number one. The question is, how many sermons does he got this morning? I ain't preached for two months. There ain't no telling how long we're going to be in the building this morning. 
I'm just kidding. See, you didn't know all of that word was packed into chicken sandwiches after church. Amen. Amen. Uh, but to all of our first-time guests, we want to meet you in the VIP room. It's going to be a great time. And then let me say this, uh, that tonight, tell your neighbor tonight, tonight is going to be a very special service in this house. And, and I need everybody to be here tonight. Throw away every excuse that you like to use for missing church on Sunday nights. God's going to do something special in this house that is germane to this body. And I, I want everybody that is a part of this church to be here tonight at 6.30 for Sunday Night Live. Somebody shout amen. We're thankful for what God is doing in this place. This morning before service ever started, Hilda Leal was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. I think we ought to give God a praise for that right now. Come on, and there's no telling how many more people God wants to rescue before the service is over this morning. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. I want to hasten to the word of the Lord this morning. I have an assignment from God that you will find beginning in the book of Mark this morning. Stand with me if you would all over the house or the book of Matthew rather. The book of Matthew chapter 27 is where we will begin this morning. I'm reminded of that song. That old song they used to sing. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. So he said, y'all don't know that song. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. Tell your neighbor, I need a word this morning. Tell your other neighbor, the word is from me this morning. No shovels in the house today. We ain't shoveling this over our shoulder. God's got a word for us this morning. Amen. Matthew chapter 27, verse number one is where I want to invite you to read the word of the Lord with me. It says, when the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, somebody say, then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? See thou to that. In other words, it's too late to repent now. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And the chief priests took the silver pieces and said, it is not lawful 
for to put them into the treasury because it is the price of blood. And they took counsel, listen to this, and bought with them the potter's field. Somebody say the potter's field. To bury strangers in. Wherefore that field was called the field of blood unto this day. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy or Jeremiah the prophet, saying, and they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value, listen, and gave them for the potter's field as the Lord appointed me. Acts chapter 1, verse 16 ties in directly to the event that just we just read about in the book of Matthew Acts chapter 1 verse 16 through 20 says men and brethren this scripture must needs have been fulfilled which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas which was guide to them that took Jesus for he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Judas was sitting on the pew next to us. Judas used to sing in the choir. Judas used to play an instrument with the band. Every once in a while, Judas would get up and preach a message to the people. Judas was part of the outreach team and, and Judas taught Bible studies. Judas was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity. We already know what that field is. Matthew 27 told us it was the potter's field. And falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem in so much as that field is called in their proper tongue a keldama, that is to say the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate and let no man dwell therein. And his bishopric let another take. Somebody else is going to have to take Judas's now I've got to explain for a moment before we go to my final reading about the potter's field it is ironic and it is not happenstance that Judas was buried in the potter's field you see it is the potter's field that was the place that a potter found the type of dirt from which he could extrapolate the kind of clay that he needed to make vessels. 
And they would dig through that field and harvest the clay. It was known as the potter's field. But it served more than one purpose. Scripture declares to us that these potter's field having been harvested of their valuable clay goods, that when somebody died who had no family to provide a proper burial place, they would bury them and strangers in the holes that were dug to find the clay. And ironically, they would be from the ashes they came and to the dirt they returned. And isn't it something that this vessel by the name of Judas found himself buried in the potter's field? Because you see, the potter's field also served as the place when the potter had something on the wheel that he absolutely could no longer work with, that he absolutely could no longer get anything accomplished with, and he was done. He would also take those same pieces that had their origin in the potter's field, and it would become the disposal site for those pieces of clay. And those pieces of clay represented vessels that God said, I can no longer do anything with them. Turning now to Jeremiah chapter 18. Book of Jeremiah chapter 18. I'm going to begin reading at verse number 1. It says, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house. And there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house. And behold, he wrought a work on the wheels listen and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter and so he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Saith the Lord, behold as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. Verse number four said, so he made it again and for a few moments this morning I simply want to preach from this thought he's still working on me I just need some people in the building 
that would lift your hands and declare that all over this house today that he's still working on me now would you lift your hands one more time and say it from the depths of your heart he's still working on me now if you're glad about it I wish you would take a moment and give God some praise that he's still working on you I wish somebody would go ahead and take a moment right here and give God praise that you're in the house of the Lord and you're not in the potter's field. That you're in the potter's house and you're not in the potter's field. Somebody ought to give God the praise today. Amen. You may be seated for a few moments. I first this morning must take a moment to talk to you for just a brief few moments about Jeremiah the prophet. This is a particular prophet in whom God spoke to him all the way back in chapter number five of the book of Jeremiah or chapter one rather verse number five and in the opening chapter of the book of Jeremiah God makes a declaration to this prophet and he lets him know that the launching point of his ministry will first be a revelation found in verse number five whereby God says before I formed thee in the womb of your mother I ordained you he wanted the prophet to understand that before your mom and daddy ever knew each other I knew who you were and I ordained you before you were ever formed before you ever came out of your mother's womb I knew your name and I've got a purpose for you I did not wait to see how your life would turn out to decide how I would use you I did not wait to see what circumstances unfolded in your life before I made a decision about what I wanted to do but Jeremiah before you ever took your first breath I put my hand on you and I called you and I gave you purpose I wish somebody in the building would give God a praise that despite what I've been through despite what my circumstances are despite what my story is he knew me before I was ever born he ordained me before I ever took my I wish I had somebody in the building that would give God the praise I came to preach to you this morning uh, that you're not just the product uh, of your mom and daddy hooking up. Uh, your mom and daddy may have never known each other. Uh, they may have never been married. Uh, your daddy may have left you. Uh, your mama might have abandoned you. Uh, but I came to declare uh, that there is a God uh, who never left you. Uh, there is a God uh, who never abandoned you. Uh, and despite uh, how 
how you got into this world. God said, I want you to know that I ordained you. I wish somebody would give God a shout of praise because he ordained you. As a matter of fact, in Jeremiah 29, 11, he declares, for I know the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord. Plans never to harm you. Plans to prosper you. Plans to give you a hope. And I thought there'd be a few more people in the building that are grateful for the plan of God in your life. I know you're broke right now, but God's plan is to bless you. I know you're going through hell right now, but it's God's plan to give you hope. I know it looks dark right now, but it's God's plan to give you a future. Somebody ought to shout because you're ordained by God. I know it doesn't look like it right now, but God's hand is on my life. I know it doesn't look like anything special now, but the promise of God is on my my life. Jeremiah goes down to the potter's house and he observes some things as God begins to unfold revelation to him. And the first thing that he sees is he sees the potter. Woo! And God wants him to know that I am like the potter. I'm the one that's in control of creation. I'm the one that's the head over the house. I'm the one that's got my hand on things. I'm the one that takes preeminence uh, in this vision uh, that I'm giving you. Come on, I wish I had a witness uh, in the building. I want you to know, uh, Jeremiah, that like the potter, uh, I'm the creator. Uh, That like the potter, uh, I'm the one that does the molding uh, and the shaping. Uh, That like the potter, uh, I'm the one that brings forth vessels uh, out of lumps of clay. Uh, That like the potter, uh, I'm the one uh, that decides the details uh, and the circumstances uh, of what the vessel uh, is going to be. Uh, I want you to understand, Jeremiah, that I am uh, the potter. And there's something interesting here because we often use artistic descriptions to describe our God. He paints such beautiful colors. And we, we use all these terms, Sister Collins, to, to try to help people understand the creative nature of God, the artistic nature of God. But I came to find something out in this text that he does not reveal himself to Jeremiah as a painter. Uh, you know why? Because a painter, when they approach their artwork, they're only worried about working on the side that everybody's going to see. 
a painter is only concerned with the part of the picture that's going to be facing the painter never worries about the backside the painter never worries about what's on the other side and God said I'm not a painter because for my ordination and purpose in your life I can't afford for you to just have a good side I can't afford for you to just have one side that looks good to everybody else oh I wish I had a preaching church in the building and so that's why God said in order for me to touch all the sides I'm going to put you on a wheel and I'm going to spin the wheel in such a way uh, that my hand uh, is going to be uh, on every side. If I'm going to put my hand uh, on every part of your life, uh, then I'm going to put you on a wheel uh, and I'm going to spin. You see, this is where uh, we get frustrated with God uh, because we want God uh, to just showcase uh, our good points. Uh, We want God to just showcase uh, our good side. But God is not interested in just showcasing the good part of your life. Oh, look at my talent. Oh, look at my abilities. Look at my anointing. But what about that lion spirit you got? Look at the talents God's given me. Yeah, but look at all the laziness in your life that you still ain't dealt with. But look at all the accomplishments that I've made in this world. Yeah, but look at the inconsistency. In this, uh, I wish I had a preaching church uh, in the building. Uh, come on. Uh, come on. He's not just concerned uh, with me being a bishop. Uh, he wants to know what kind of husband are you. Uh, he's not concerned uh, with how good of a preacher I am. Uh, he wants to know how good of a daddy can you be. Uh, I wish I had a witness in the building. Uh, he's not worried uh, about how good of a musician uh, and a singer you are. Uh, he wants to know what's your prayer life life look like? Uh, What does your consecration to God uh, look like? He's not a painter. Uh, God is uh, a potter. And we get frustrated because we say, God, I'm tired of going around in circles. I knew I wouldn't get any amens right there. Because some of y'all won't say it in public. But in private, it's your greatest frustration. I want to go forward. Come on, God. Look at how good it looks. Just take me forward. God said, no, 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 no. I got some things uh, that I've got to work on on the backside uh, of your life. You keep presenting the best part of you, uh, but I know the rest of you. Uh, I don't just know the best of you. Uh, I know the rest of you, uh, and I'm going to turn you around. A potter doesn't even have to change the position of his hands. His hand stays in the same place it was always meant to be. It's the product underneath his hand that has to keep spinning in circles. Woo! 
and the potter keeps pressing and pulling and the potter keeps stretching and pulling why I'm going to let this thing spin until I develop symmetry and balance in their life I'm going to I'm going to make this thing spin until they look just as good on the opposite side as the part that everybody else sees I'm going to keep spinning this vessel until their consecration matches their talent I'm going to keep I wish I had I'm going to keep spinning the wheel until they can pray as good as they can preach I'm going to keep spinning the wheel until they can love people the same way they pro somebody shout he's still working on me come on he's still working on me God's really going to use you. He's not just going to touch the part of you that's public. He's going to touch the private part of you. And he's going to use pressure and pulling. God, I'm anointed, but I need you to touch my attitude. Come on. Come on, I'm preaching to some clay that's on the wheel right now. I know you know how to put on a good show in the house of the Lord, uh, but then you go home and cuss people out uh, in your household. Come on, somebody. Uh, God said, I'm going to have to keep putting you uh, on the wheel. I'm going to have to keep spinning you. Uh, I'm going to have to keep turning you. Come on. They see your talent. They see your ability. They see your anointing and your gifts. But what about the lust that you keep contending with in private? Come on, somebody. What about the deception and the little lies that you want to keep hiding behind the painting and act like they're really not there? Come on. God said, I can't have deception in this vessel. That I'm a, Come on, I'm preaching to somebody. I know you look confident, but behind your confidence, there's some arrogance. Oh, I wish I I had nobody going to shout up in here. I like your confidence, but what about your arrogance? Come on, I like your talent, but what about your tongue that isn't surrendered to me? I'm going to keep on turning you on the wheel. You've got a great resume, but what about the irresponsibility you keep hiding behind? Jeremiah, I've got a purpose for you. But you'll never fulfill what I've called you to do without being on the wheel. How long? How long do I got to be on the wheel? As long as it takes. Oh, it got extra quiet right there. How long do I got? I've already been coming to church for six months. How much longer before I can do? As long as it takes. I've been living for God my whole life and I'm still not doing what God called me to do. God's got you on a wheel, baby. And it's up to you. Your life could end in a potter's field and never make it off the wheel. But God said, if you're going to be what I've called you to be, I'm going to put you on a wheel. I wish somebody in the building would give God some thanks because he's still working on me. Hey!
God loves you too much to have one good side. Come on, somebody. Know how to present yourself on Sunday. But go home and treat your family like trash on Monday. Dance and shout and wave your hands. And then tell your husband what a no good for nothing he is in the middle of the week when you're frustrated. My God, I hit a stump right there. Come on, Jesus said the same tongue that you used to bless me with, uh, you're cursing people with. Uh, that ought not to, I got to keep you on the wheel for a little bit long. I got to put, come on, I got to put some more pressure. Uh, and you'll wonder why uh, your life is turned upside down. Uh, and you'll wonder why things don't seem to be going smoothly. I tell you why. It's because God is still working on you. Jeremiah, the ordination that's on your life is too great. My plans and purpose for you is too great to leave you with one good side and jeopardize your destiny. I proclaim to you this morning that if you look close enough at all the stuff in the cyclone or some people in this building have used the words, I feel like I'm in a tornado. I feel like I'm in a, a, a storm, a hurricane. No, you're just on the wheel. It's not everything else spinning in circles. You're the one spinning in circles. And it just looks like your environment's turning. No, 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 no. God's got the environment fixed right where it needs to be. He's just trying to work some things out of you and through you and onto you. Come on, somebody. And if you look really close, I'm, I'm talking to somebody. If you look really close, you'll see God's hand in every cycle. If you look close enough, what you thought was hell is the hand of God. Uh, I'm going to preach over here and see if I can find somebody to amen the preacher. If you look close enough, what you thought was betrayal is the hand of God trying to shape you. I mean, maybe in this section right here, if you look close enough, what you thought was people lying about your character is just the hand of God turning you around on the wheel again because he hasn't got the right response out of you yet. He hasn't got the correct reaction. Come on, somebody. If you look close enough, you'll find the hand of God in every cycle that you're going through. have the potter and you have the wheel and then Jeremiah sees the clay and the clay comes from the earth in one place the Bible declares that he knoweth our frame and that we are but dust. And we often try to use that as an excuse for our weaknesses. 
But I want to flip that around and tell you God knows exactly what you're made out of. And he knows exactly what he intended for you to be able to handle. And you'll never be able to carry in a capacity that you're not able to handle bearing in adversity. And so he gets the clay from the earth. And when the clay, you, you could study this when you get home, but when the clay comes from the earth, it, it has to be softened to make sure that it yields to the hand of the potter. And so what they would do is put this clay into a trench or a container sometimes. And what the potter would first do is the potter would literally take his feet and he would begin to step on the clay and he would add water to it and he would tread and step on the clay until he felt and knew under the pressure of his feet that that clay was at a particular consistency that it was moldable the way that he wanted it to be he could not work with hard clay because hard clay has no future I'm going to say it again. Hard clay has no future. There's some pieces of clay that when you look at them, it's a constant fight of moldability. It's a constant struggle of pliability. You know, let me put it in our terms. It's called stubbornness and self-will. Come on, I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to do it the way I like to do it. Don't tell me what to do. Don't put restrictions. Don't put expectations. You know what you are? You're a hard piece of clay under the foot of the potter. And hard clay has no future in the potter's house. He steps on it and walks on it until he feels its resistance begin to dissipate. Because he can't trust who he can't tread on. God can't trust who he can't press. See, some of us want to be blessed, but we resist being broken. Come on, I need some help up in this church. Some of us want to be trusted but we're unwilling to be tested every time God tries to test us we get an attitude we quit we bail out on the pro we jump off of the wheel I ain't going through that I'm not putting up with that I'm not going to deal with well then you'll just end up staying in the ground and you'll never experience the ordained purpose of God because it doesn't matter how great the calling is God will never circumvent the process of the wheel in the potter's house We want to be anointed, but we don't want to be adjusted. You're going to have to take me how I am. If you don't like this, then tough. 
no pliability. So I tried to get Judas to work. I tried to get Judas to conform, but all in the name of independent thinking. All in the name of thinking for myself. I'm going to reject the hand of God in my life. But here's what 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10 says. Put it up there for them to see it. 1 Peter 5 and 10. He said after. Somebody say after. After you have suffered a while. See, we don't like suffering. We run from suffering. God will use whatever he has to use in your sphere of existence to bring the right level of pressure to the process of your life. I can't get a witness in the building. If you've got a carnal spouse, he'll let your carnal spouse be the pressure that comes against you every day, day in and day out while God works on your character and he works on the parts of you that nobody, come on somebody, God will use financial pressure if that's what it takes to bring you to a place of learning fiscal responsibility. I don't. You may have blown it five times. God will let you blow it six, seven, eight, and nine until you learn the lessons that God is trying to teach you in the process. That's why you're going through the same thing again and again and again. I wish I had a witness in the building. But after ye have suffered a while, God will make you perfect. So you want God to give you a high school diploma while you're still in the ninth grade. And then you get mad at the school principal who won't hand you the diploma. I should be doing this. And I should be doing that. You know what I tell people when they say that? I said, you sure should. The real question is, why ain't you? And the bigger thing is I got the answer. Because you're still on the wheel. And God still doesn't have something. Oh, I know. You're trying to present the painting to everybody else. You're asking the question while you go, how come I'm not doing this yet? Look at my credentials. Look at my... God said, why don't you be honest and flip the other side around and show everybody some of the junk that I'm still... What you better do is humble yourself and just begin to praise God that he's still working on you. Uh, you ought to just humble yourself uh, and be grateful uh, that God hasn't thrown you away. He's still working. He's still working on me. The prophet Bible says that he observes that the potter is making, if you read it in almost every other transliteration besides the King James Version, it says that he's making something at the wheel. I like that because in all of God's showing, God didn't even disclose to the prophet 
what he was making. It was just something. I wonder if there's anybody in the building knows what I'm talking about. When they say, what's God doing in your life? What's God up to? And you say, I wish I could tell you. I wish I had all the answers. I don't know. But he's doing something. I can't explain the details. But I know his hand is on me. I can't tell you what the whole process looks like. But he's doing something. I can't tell you how long it's going to take. But I, I can tell you that God's doing something. I wish I had a witness in the building this morning that would just give God the praise because he's doing something in my life. And God, I don't have to know what it is. I don't need the details. Just help me to stay on the wheel. Help me to stay in the process because he's still working on me. I know you look good this morning, but I wish some honest people would just shout, he's still working on me. I know it looks like you got it all together, but I wish somebody would praise him because he's still working on me. That's why you can't close the book on my story right now. See, I thought I'd have five people run the aisle right there. That's why you can't close the book and end my story right now. Because he's not done writing my chapter. He's not done writing my story. He's still working on me. I know I'm flawed, but he's still working on me. I know I got issues, but he's still working on me. I know I've made some mistakes, but he's still working on me. I just need a witness in the building that would declare he's still working. I still have a ways to go, but he's still working on me. I just need a witness in the building. Come on. I've got some shortcomings, but he's still working on me. If you look close enough, you'll see some things I'm not proud of, but he's still working on me. If you look close, if you're, if you're around me long enough, you'll pick up on some imperfections, but I just want to give God praise this morning because I'm still on the potter's wheel. I'm still in the house of God. I'm still giving God the praise. I'm still in my right mind. I'm still, somebody ought to shout in this place cause he's still working. Our marriage isn't perfect, but he's still working on me. 
we're not divorced we're not separated he's still I wish I had some honest people in the building that would shout over that right now to start quoting Philippians 1 and 6 being confident in this one thing if you're going to have confidence in something pick this to have confidence that he that hath begun the work in you until the day of Jesus Christ all the other transliterations say uh, the one that started the work in you is the same one uh, that's going to finish what he started uh, somebody ought to shout right now uh, because it's finished uh, it's finished the fight is fixed my destiny is secure I'm ordained by Are you with me this morning? And there's three things that I want to bring to your attention this morning before I quit. The Bible says that this vessel which God was working on, hear me, was marred. And if you take the time to study the etymology of this word, it's the word spoiled. But not spoiled like the milk that's been in your fridge for three weeks. But it's spoiled as in it is no longer qualified for its intended use and purpose. The potter, hear me, was working on the vessel. This wasn't a second-hand piece of work that he found from somewhere else. God was working on the vessel when the vessel was marred. And when the vessel was marred, it was no longer fit for its original purpose and use. And I can tell you what I probably would have done if I was sitting on the potter's wheel and it was no longer usable for its intended purpose. And it's probably what most of y'all would have done. I would have thrown the clay away. But this potter never threw the clay away. Come on. I came to preach that in our society and in our lives we're easy to throw people away when they become marred oh I know I'm not going to get an amen in the building when people hit a point of failure in their life we're easy to throw people to the side and throw them away but thank God that he didn't throw us away 
come on thank God that he didn't look at me and say it's over you'll never do anything again come on I just need somebody in the building who can testify I was damaged goods I was spoiled I had no value but you know what God did he recycled me he recycled me he brought me back from the trash he brought me back from the grave he brought me back from destitution he's still working I wish some of y'all would quit acting bougie this morning uh, like you've been good your whole life. Uh, I wish some of y'all would quit being self-righteous and give God the praise uh, because you shouldn't even be here. Uh, You don't even belong here uh, except for the grace uh, and the mercy of God. He didn't throw me away. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Somebody ought to give him a praise in this house. Not only did he not throw it away but he kept his hand on the vessel see that doesn't mean something to a lot of you but there's some people in the building right now that ought to just put your hands in the air and give God the praise that through every trial through every situation through every circumstance he never took his hand off me I've been through the flood I've been through the fire but his hand is still on my come on until you recognize where you're at and the potter's hand you'll never get done with the wheel somebody ought to give him praise because his hand is still on you that you've got breath in your body this morning is a testimony that God's not done with you yet I need the rest of y'all sitting on your pew uh, like God deserves what you gave him. Uh, Come on, I need the rest of you sitting in your pew comatose uh, to wake up this morning and realize uh, that you ought to take that breath that's in your body uh, and give God some praise this morning uh, because he gave you another day. He gave you another chance. Uh, He gave you another opportunity. The fact that you're still alive is proof positive that God is not done with you yet. Come on, he's still working on me. Here's what the Bible says. It says that he made it again. 
a vessel, hear me, don't miss this, that seemeth good to the potter. See, y'all didn't catch that, so I'm going to give it to you. The intention of the potter's work is to bring forth something that's good. So let me encourage you. If it's not good yet, God's not done yet. They missed it, Brother Trevor. I said, if it's not good yet, then God's not done yet. Because the potter is making something good. I wish somebody would run the aisles this morning and say, I know it looks bad, but I'm on my way to the goodness of the potter. I know it looks crazy, but God meant it for good. I said, God meant it for good. Come on, you ought to give God praise. If you still got breath in your body and it's not good yet, then God's not done yet. And he's still working on me. Come on, throw your hands in the air. He's still working on me. He's doing it for my good. Come on. I came to preach to you that sorrow has an expiration date. That tears have an end to their season. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming. Come on, somebody in the building. You ought to declare to hell. He's still working on me. I refuse to give up. He's still working on me. I refuse to get off task. He's still working on me. I refuse to backslide. He's still working on me. if it's not fruitful God's not done yet if it's not blessed God's not finished yet if it's not working in your favor God's not through yet somebody ought to give him a praise and I wish we could stop there this morning more to the process you see after the potter finishes shaping you and you go in circles enough times to learn the lesson and become what he's calling you to be the next thing the potter does is he takes that piece of pottery and he doesn't put it on the table for use. You know what he does? He puts it in the furnace. I lost all my shouters right there. 
I lost all my he ain't finished shouters. He puts it in the furnace. And he turns the temperature up. How hot is it today? 95? 91? I ain't even going to ask you how hot does it feel. That reminds me. He heats up the furnace between, listen, 1800 and 2400 degrees it's called a kiln how long you think you last in 1800 degrees and he puts it in there not for 10 minutes not for 20 minutes see we want God to be like a microwave oven processing us Some of us, if God doesn't turn our situation around in three months, we're out of here. I lost all my, all my shouters, brother. Will you shout? Will you shout with me? If we, if we don't, if God doesn't turn it around in three months, if God doesn't answer all my prayers in one year, then He's a liar. God doesn't change His mind. We just get tired of the process and we get off the pot. I wish I had a witness. God doesn't change his mind. We just give up on God. We often, when we say Job, if I did a word association exercise and I said, Job, tell me the first word that comes to your mind. Trial peril, loss, death. Do you see all the things that we use to define Job? But how many of you understand, according to Scripture, he lived well past 100 years old? I mean, way past 100. And did you know that his trial only lasted one year? Why would we define an entire lifetime and destiny over something we thought was so long, but in the plan of God, it was nothing? I'm preaching to somebody in the building. He's still working on me. He's still working on me. I said he's still working. Don't jump out of the fire. Don't get off the wheel. Don't abort God's process. Don't abort God. Eighteen hundred degrees, twenty-four hundred degrees. Not two hours. Not three hours. Not six hours. Not twelve hours but up to 24 hours. I think that's unique. It represents the entire cycle of the sun rising and the sun setting. God's gonna let you sit in the fire long enough to see days and nights go by. God wants to know, will you still be faithful in the daytime? And will you still be faithful in the night? Will you be faithful when you can see? And will you be faithful when, come on somebody. 
purpose of the fire it is because the same clay that had to be moldable on the wheel now has to be hardened in the fire there's some hardness and resilience that can only be put into your life the Bible says that the trying of our faith being much more precious than that of gold though it be tried by fire oh I wish I had some Bible students in the building it's time for some people to embrace the fire and the wheel and just declare he's still working on me he's still working but I'm not going to leave you there this morning because when the vessel has been in the fire for the prescribed amount of time the potter carefully come out of the fire you're too hot to hold wait how does that go too hot to handle too cold to hold that's that old apostolic song some of y'all can look it up later page 67 in the samba the apostle Bobby Brown I think something like that he takes brother Daniel that vessel out of the fire and you know what he does you can look this up when you get home he puts it in an environment of room temperature and he sets the vessel down and as that thing begins to acclimate its temperature if it has properly cured in the kiln you know what that vessel begins to do it starts making a pinging sound all by itself bing 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 nothing touching it Look it up when you get home. As it acclimates, there's a sound as it comes out of the fire. Bing, bing, bing. And it lets the potter know it's finished. You want to know how God will know when you're ready to come out of the fire? When you're making the right kind of noise coming out of the struggle. God's going to know by the sound you make that you're ready to come out of the I wish I had a witness in the building. It's not the sound of complaining. It's not the sound of anger. It's not the sound of bitterness. It's not the sound of discouragement. But it's the sound that rejoices at the hand of the potter. Come on, somebody ought to lift your hands all over the building right now. Come on, he's still working on me. I wish you'd jump out of your seat right now. Somebody needs to jump out of your seat and run to this altar with your hands in the air. Come on. Come on. Come on. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you what we're dealing with right now. God doesn't want you to keep doing this in service today. Come on, there's too many of you that are presenting yourself like this right now in the house of God. 
you're coming you're either staying in your seat and you're lifting up your portrait to show how everybody I'm okay I don't need God in the altars I'm all right like I am I'll sit right where no 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 God's sick and tired of your arrogance and hypocrisy it's time for some of us to get our rear end out of the pew and humble ourselves and say God I'm bringing me I'm bringing myself back to the potter's wheel thank you for not throwing me away thank you for molding me thank you for working on me he's still working on me come on somebody lift your hands somebody lift your hands come on
Come on, lifted hands all over the building. Come on, lifted hands all over the building.
Come on, just a few more moments. Come on, just a few more moments. Let's lift our hands all over the sanctuary right now. Come on. Come on, in the presence of the Lord, can we lift our hands right now? All over this house. Come on, every lump of clay in this building, would you lift your hands and surrender to the potter right now? Come on, would you lift your hands and surrender to the potter right now? Can we clap our hands and thank the Lord for what he's done today? We're not, we're not finished yet. Hold on just a moment. I feel like the Lord wants me to say a couple of things this morning concerning the process of the vessel. Jesus, at one point in his ministry, looks at the disciples and says, it is meat for me to do the will my father but just a few chapters later we find him in a garden saying if it be possible I don't want to do this is there anybody beside me that's ever lived in that dichotomy and at one point in the process you felt so surrendered and so willing and then at another point in the process, you said, God, I don't know if I could do this. Anybody beside me ever been there? There is no human experience of becoming what God wants you to be without facing those moments of ultimate sacrifice. And here's what I felt like God wants me to share with somebody. Hear this. While Jesus is in that moment of struggle, he begs the apostles to come, listen, and pray with me. 
I got a burden. I got a great burden that I've got to wrestle with. Would you come and have a prayer? I want you to pray with me about this. Could you pray for me? Could you pray with me about, come on. And what happens? They fell asleep and he's in the garden by himself. Here is what we are predisposed to as human beings. In those moments, we begin to get frustrated with people, especially the closest people to us. And if we're not careful, we'll turn on them and say, you're not even supporting me in my greatest time of trial. That's what Jesus did. He came back out and said, could you not pray with me even? All I'm asking in, in this, out of all the stuff I'm asking you, I never ask you to do this. And this one time I'm asking, you can't come and pray with me an hour. I don't believe for one minute that they could not have stayed awake for an hour to pray with him. They followed him on the seas. They followed him across deserts. They, they were used to hard. This wasn't but there's something about this moment in the process. Nobody can do it with you. When you go to the Garden of Gethsemane, you go all by yourself. You can't drag your BFF. You can't drag your spouse into it. You can't even drag your man of God into your struggle. God said, no, you're coming all by yourself. And the Bible said, listen, that he prayed three times. There's some things you're not going to get just after one prayer meeting. He got up from one prayer meeting, Brother Collins, and he was still in the same position. He was still frustrated. He was still, ah, yeah. Three, twice he came to the disciples and berated them for not going, read it in your Bible. But his third time praying is when he finally said, nevertheless, not my will, God, but thy will be done. He made that final revolution on the wheel and when he came out of the garden this time you know what he told his disciples sleep on he was no longer looking for the support and affirmation of everybody else I, I said all that to say there are some of you that are complaining about loneliness in this stage of the process and you're complaining that you don't have friends and you don't have family and your natural inclination is to run to familial connections and run to friends and run why you're trying to surround yourself with noise that'll block out the voice of what God is telling you you have to do but I came to tell you that you're right where God placed you and right where God wants. He doesn't want anybody else in the garden with you. He doesn't want anybody else in the prayer meeting with you. He doesn't want anybody. He's trying to get you to some times of aloneness with him and you keep trying to fill it with other people and activities. You're never alone when you're with God. 
I said you're never alone when you're in the presence. Lift your hands one more time all over this house. Come on. Come on, he's still working on me. Come on, he's still. Thank you for working on me, God. Thank you for not taking your hand off of me. Thank you for keeping me on the wheel, God. Even though I'm marred, even though I've got some mistakes, thank you for not throwing me out of the potter's house. Thank you, God, that you've got an ordained word for my life. Thank you that you've got an ordained purpose. God, help me to be what I'm supposed to be. Help me to become obedient. Help me to surrender my will. Help me, oh God.